was so fun. Thank you all so much for leading us in worship this morning, choir. Um, I'm Emily Hamilton. I'm one of the pastors here at CPC. It's so good to be with you this morning. Uh, When I was growing up, every year at Thanksgiving and Christmas, somebody in the family would be assigned to like go and purchase this like massive bin of mini croissants from Sam's Club. And it was like my favorite part of the meal. (laughs) Um, It was usually, they were like buttery, they're little, you can definitely have more than one. I'd put more butter on it usually. Uh, It was great. Fast forward to my 30s and I have the chance to go to France. And while there, I get to try my first real Parisian croissant. And I'm not exaggerating y'all, it was like a midlife crisis for my taste buds. Um, Like, what have I been eating and enjoying my whole life? Like, it was rich, but light at the same time. It like melts in your mouth, but it's crispy. I was just blown away by how these ordinary ingredients like flour and butter were transformed into something extraordinary through the craft of the baker and the heat of an oven. And I thought this whole time, I was like, I thought I knew what a croissant was supposed to taste like. But all along, I've been satisfied with a counterfeit. <laughs> um, and I had, I had, I had I'd really enjoyed something that was kind of imitating the real deal. Now, okay, I'm going to go to my mom's house sometime later this year, and I'm going to have a crescent roll, and I'm going to love it and enjoy it. But in that moment when I went to France, it was like, I've now tasted something better. Over the last couple of weeks here at CPC, we have been talking about the power of regular, repeatable habits that help us make space in our lives for God's extraordinary work. Uh, Habits that help us taste and see God's goodness. Habits that help us depend on Jesus and live from our belovedness. Habits that kind of wake us up from the kind of dulled down counterfeit version of life that we often settle for, like trusting in ourselves and avoiding risk and clinging to control and earning our worth. The gospel promises that there is actually something so much better than that. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, there are habits and practices we can take on that make space for us to experience that something better. So last week, Petey talked about prayer as a habit that makes space for us to depend on God's power rather than our own productivity. And this week, I'm going to talk about hospitality, the practice of welcoming others and sharing our lives with them. The trouble is is that we live in a culture that teaches us a version of hospitality that can actually sometimes reinforce the, the counterfeit life of control and comfort and risk mitigation. But when the gospel moves us, a different kind of hospitality is possible. It's a hospitality that helps us loosen our grip on our own agendas and plans and make space in our ordinary lives for God's extraordinary purposes. Because that's what hospitality is. It's a practice that makes space in our ordinary lives for God's extraordinary presence and purposes. 
So this morning, we're gonna take a look at a story that puts before us a contrast, a contrast between a kind of counterfeit hospitality and a hospitality that makes space for God. It's a story about Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. And in Luke, we learn that Jesus is often on the move throughout his ministry. He's traveling around with his disciples, and it's probably pretty certain that he didn't have his own house to stay in at this point. And so Jesus, in his own ministry, was quite dependent, actually, on the hospitality of other people to receive him, to give him and his disciples a place to sleep at night, to feed him, to care for their physical needs. And in the story we're looking at today, Jesus is welcomed into the home of one of these ministry supporters, a woman named Martha. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. You're welcome to pull out a pew Bible and follow along. You can also follow along on the screen. The version on the screen is a slightly different version from what you'll find in your pew Bible. So Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. And it goes like this. While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for the meal. So Martha came to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. And the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part and it won't be taken away from her. So this is a really condensed story that is full of rich meaning for us as we think about hospitality. So I'm going to recap it real quick. Martha welcomes Jesus and probably his whole team of disciples into her home, and she hosts a dinner for them. And you have to remember, this is a time when there aren't things like ovens and refrigerators and electricity and probably running water. And so she's really counting on her sister Mary and probably some other ladies to be an extra set of hands to help with chopping the veggies and butchering the animal and fetching the water for all the dishes. But instead of this, uh, Mary actually, her sister, engages in something pretty extraordinary. Uh, some first century gender barriers get very broken when Mary, a woman, takes the posture of a disciple sitting at the feet of her male teacher, Jesus, at the table. And rather than rejoicing in this amazing situation that's happened, Mary sits at Jesus' feet. He welcomes her to sit there and be there. Martha gets really frustrated because there's a lot to do. And she goes and she complains to Jesus about it. And as she does that, it turns out that Jesus's preferred posture of a disciple is also his preferred posture of hospitality. And so the story then intentionally is contrasting for us Martha's version of hospitality with Mary's version of hospitality. First off, we can see that Martha's hospitality while pretty understandable and probably relatable to a lot of us, is ultimately pretty self-focused. 
She goes to Jesus and she's just totally missed the miracle that's happened between her sister, Mary, and their house guest. And instead, it kind of is all about her. She uses the word me three times. My sister has left me to take care of this all by myself. Get her to help me. Martha is way more interested in getting Jesus's assistance with her very important plans rather than join the important plans that Jesus has going on at the table. By contrast, Mary is very other-focused. She is sitting at Jesus's feet, engaging the message that he has come to share. She is attending to her guest. It's very easy for us to engage in a kind of hospitality that is self-motivated like this, um, hoping to get something out of it. Like we'll welcome people and have them over, but deep down we're kind of hoping that it works out for us. Even professionally sometimes we use hospitality as a way to build networks so we can make an ask. We want to bolster our reputation or our popularity. Business deals are made every day, whining and dining people. And in Mary and Martha's day, this kind of hospitality was actually the, like a dominant mode of hospitality. It was viewed as a good thing. You invited people into your home and you fed them so that you could ask them for a favor later on. You did it to build your influence, create a kind of debt that you could make good on later. It was um, in some ways a very strings attached kind of hospitality. And here Jesus makes it clear That's not the kind of welcome he wants. He wants a kind of other-focused hospitality that's willing to lay down, at least for a little bit, our own agendas and make space for his. Of course, this kind of self-focused, get-something-out-of-it hospitality leads Martha down a path of worry and distraction, while Mary's other-focused hospitality takes the posture of listening and attending. In my own very imperfect practice of hospitality, I find that when my goal is to impress people or entertain them. And like, I love, I love making the fancy dinner. I love making like the fancy dessert. I really do. But when my goal is to impress people, my welcome of them is often characterized by worry and distraction rather than actually having a good conversation. And then rather than bring people in close, my need to impress them ends up creating a wedge of distance. Rosaria Butterfield is a woman who lives in Durham, North Carolina. She wrote a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key, which I think is an awesome title. And she and her husband have this pretty radical practice of hospitality where any night of the week, they have an open door invitation to their neighbors who can come and join them for dinner anytime. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that, but I'm saying those are the kind of people we need to be learning from. And she says this, entertainment is about impressing people and keeping them at arm's length. Hospitality is about opening up your heart and your home just as you are. When entertainment is the goal, worry and distancing happen. But when welcome is the goal, listening and drawing close can happen. 
And thirdly, Jesus makes it very clear here that while Martha's version of hospitality offers a kind of fleeting satisfaction, Mary has chosen the lasting portion. He says the, he, she has chosen the better part and it will not be taken away from her. Perhaps Martha could have perfectly executed every dish. She would have gained a good reputation in town that like she's a great hostess. You definitely want to say yes to a dinner party invite from her. Maybe that would have built her reputation up and she could have called in a few favors eventually, but soon the shine would wear off and she'd be back where she started on that achievement treadmill, back at it with a worried, distracted, impression-driven, strings-attached hospitality. Thankfully, with so much grace, Jesus, he calls Martha by her name twice, Martha, Martha. And he shows her the deep attention and hospitable listening that she herself struggles to give. And he invites her to see that she's embraced a kind of counterfeit version of hospitality while her sister is enjoying the sweetness of the real thing. An open, welcome posture that's attentive, listening to Jesus and his words, and actually able to enjoy his presence more fully. Mary's going to get something from that that lasts. Now, there's something really important not to miss here about the way that not only Mary and Martha show up in the story, but about the way Jesus himself shows up in the story. So on the one hand, Jesus shows up as the guest. He shows up as the one in need of welcome, the one that Mary and Martha are supposed to receive into their home and show hospitality to. And on the other hand, Jesus kind of surprisingly shows up as the one offering hospitality too. He welcomes Mary to sit at his feet. He welcomes Martha when she's struggling so much to welcome him. And that two-sided dynamic, Jesus as both the guest who we receive and the host who welcomes us, those two things together become absolutely foundational for how the early church sought to engage in hospitality with the world around them. Here's what I mean by that. We are called to extend a kind of no-strings-attached hospitality to others because we ourselves have been received by Jesus when we had nothing to offer. When we were empty-handed strangers, Jesus received us with open arms, calling us by name, inviting us to exchange our counterfeits for his truth, to trade the bread of life, to trade the bread that does not satisfy with the bread of life. And at the same time, we are called to extend hospitality to others because Jesus has miraculously, surprisingly assured us that this is the exact way that he has decided to make a habit of breaking into our lives and showing up to us. In Matthew 25, Jesus says it like this. He's very explicit. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So 
Jesus is saying that when we welcome the stranger, especially the vulnerable stranger who needs food and shelter and clothes, that when we welcome the stranger, like like Mary welcomed Jesus with an open, other-focused, listening posture, we will encounter something of Jesus' own presence breaking into our ordinary lives that we couldn't have gotten to any other way. We will be invited to loosen our grips on our own plans, let go of our own agendas for our lives, and open up to the surprising ways that his presence and his purposes are taking shape with us. Stories like Mary and Martha shaped the early church's expectation that Jesus is going to show up. He's going to show up as the host, and he's going to show up as the guest, which in turn fueled this practice of an attentive, other-focused, eternally significant hospitality that welcomed not just family and friends. It's pretty easy to welcome family and friends. We, we, We don't struggle with that as much. But the early church was astonishing because they invited in the vulnerable, and they invited in strangers, and they even invited in their enemies. And because of this, hospitality was one of the driving factors of growth for the early church because it put on display that the gospel is true. Gracious hospitality across boundaries of difference and beyond just those who could pay you back, that was what made the gospel make sense to people who were looking on. I don't think it's too strong to say that this kind of hospitality is probably one of the most important practices for us to recover and re-engage with as God's people today. Um, Demographers, people who look at population trends, have have been tracking for a couple years that the world is becoming um, more religious. Actually, people are engaging religion more across the world, and it's becoming more religiously diverse. What's interesting, though, is that amidst all of that growing religious interest and diversity, uh, it's estimated that 87% of Hindus, Buddhists, and Muslims around the world do not personally know a Christian. It's a pretty high number. There's a lot of people in our world who don't even know another Christian, another Jesus follower. And so scholars at the Center for the Study of Global Christianity have written that Christians have inadequate personal contact with members of other religions. And so because of this, solidarity, including friendship, love, and hospitality, is the way forward in addressing these trends. And I share that statistic with us, not because I think we need to like freak out and try to like gain some kind of cultural influence or power. That's not what I'm saying. I share it because I think I want us to see that I think there's a lot of Jesus's presence and goodness and glory that we're missing out on because we're missing out on opportunities to welcome into our midst those who are strangers, those who are different, those who do not yet know Jesus. And so if hospitality is a practice that roots us in the gospel and is essential for putting the gospel on display to the world, how can we do it a little bit more like Mary and maybe like admit some of the ways we struggle with it, like Martha. Well, first, I just want to say, it's not rocket science. Be someone who eats dinner. (laughs) 
The beauty of hospitality is that even though it can require courage, it's not that complicated. When we can let go of the pull to entertain and our need to impress, we get to start with what we're going to do for ourselves anyway, which is eat. Um, So you don't have to be a super saint to practice hospitality. You just got to be someone who needs to eat dinner. Second, look for those who may be overlooked, vulnerable, or an outsider throughout your day and extend even a small invitation to them. And it's best when you can do this with others. There are probably, as you, as you consider that, there might be, you know, half a dozen names and faces already flashing across your mind. If for any reason you feel like who to do this with and who to do it towards does not feel immediately obvious, here at CPC, we would love to take some of the guesswork out for you. Um, just this past Christmas, our congregation gave over $100,000 to support displaced people who are coming and moving to the Twin Cities and calling Minneapolis home. And Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And I think that Jesus is growing a heart in this community to welcome strangers into our community. And I think he's calling us to do it, not just with our wallets, but with our lives. And so over the last year, we have partnered with our friends at Arrive Ministries, Corey mentioned it earlier, to form different good neighbor teams, which are groups of 10 to 12 people who are equipped and then commit to walk alongside a newly resettled family for a year. Offering support, yes. Building friendship, yes. But I think it's fair to say receiving a lot more than what they give. We're building some new teams right now. So if that strikes a fancy for you at all, my team who will be in the, in the next steps area right after the service would love to talk to you about how to plug in there. So look for ways to extend invitations to others with others. Third, run to Jesus when you feel yourself disrupted, fearful, or controlling. Because hospitality, like Mary, is going to initially push you a little bit outside your comfort zone. And it's going to expose to you more of your Martha tendencies than you bargained for. And that's part of the gift of it. Pastor James talks all the time here about how the more we step out to extend God's grace to others, the more and more and more we will find ourselves in need of God's grace. Hospitality will reveal where we hoard our time and can't be interrupted, where we're afraid of risk, where our plans feel more precious than the person sitting in front of us. Christine Pohl is a theologian. She's written a ton on hospitality. I really recommend her work to you. She says this, a robust practice of hospitality in which we welcome people into our lives regularly and share ourselves rather than just our resources, it exposes our frailties, our incomplete sanctification, our unhelpful quirks and forms of self-indulgence. It undoes our attempts to project a certain kind of image, especially if there's a big disconnect between the kind of image we're trying to project and the reality of our lives. But held in the gracious hospitality of Christ, that exposure, that unraveling, it doesn't have to undo us. It can actually be an opportunity for us to hear Jesus call us by name 
Martha, Martha. And it's an opportunity for us to receive the grace again that he seeks to give to us. And finally, my encouragement would be look for Jesus to reveal himself to you through the ones you want to welcome. Jesus promises that when we welcome strangers, we welcome him, that he is the guest we most need to receive. We don't often think that our dinner tables and our sinks full of dirty dishes are places where the divine is going to break through. But hospitality invites us to see how those ordinary things can be infused with God's extraordinary grace because the place where we might most need to see Jesus may come to us in the form of a guest at our dinner table. So there's something of the goodness and grace of Jesus for us that we will taste and see more fully when we open our lives to others in hospitality, making space for his presence and his purposes in our lives and asking him to use that to shape us over and over and over again. I think that on this side of eternity, there is no other place where we can see and taste and experience God's hospitality to us more fully than in this meal. And so for those of us who are here today and we're feeling maybe exhausted by the people that God is showing, inviting us to show hospitality to, or maybe we're feeling lonely and we're looking for a place to call home, or maybe we are sensing God calling us to go and break some barriers through hospitality. Wherever you find yourself today, this is the place that we start with hospitality. We start with God's welcome of us in Jesus Christ. And so in this meal, part of what we do is we, we reenact Jesus's last meal with his disciples around a table. We remember the costly hospitality of God to welcome us into his family through the sacrifice of Christ's body and blood. We refuel ourselves so that we can go out and show hospitality to those around us. And we also look ahead to the day where we will gather at God's heavenly banquet and where we will be sitting with brothers and sisters of every tribe, tongue, and nation feasting in God's kingdom. And so this is the table for us. On the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.